Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com Wondersuite. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I am your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to share with you a conversation I had with Nick Sonnenberg. He's an Entrepreneur Inc. columnist, a guest lecturer at Columbia University, and the author of the new book, Come Up for Air, how teams can leverage systems and tools to stop drowning in work. He's also the CEO of Leverage, a leading operational efficiency consultancy that helps companies implement his CPR business efficiency framework. So you can guess that in this conversation, we're talking about his book and we're talking about efficiency and we're talking about teams. In this conversation, we talk about identifying roadblocks and speed bumps in communication, in efficiency, in execution when it comes to teams. And if you've ever been part of a team and had any of those things happen, which essentially if you've been in a team, you've had those things happen, then you know it's not easy to overcome, especially in a remote workplace. But if you're part of a team and you have identified those problems, then this conversation and this book are for you. So I'll just get out of the way and say, enjoy this conversation with Nick Sonnenberg. Well, this week, it is my privilege to welcome to the show, Nick Sonnenberg. Nick, welcome to Beyond the To-Do List. Thanks for having me. So I'm really interested in this book, this brand new book that you've got called Come Up for Air, How Teams Can Leverage Systems and Tools, and here's the key, to stop drowning in work, because I feel like everybody feels that right now, and they may have systems and tools existing, but they may be misusing them or feel like they are covered enough in them. For me, I know personally, you felt like you couldn't come out with the book until you actually yourself came up for air. So talk a little bit about like what was the genesis slash process of this book coming out? Because I, I think probably a little bit of your struggle slash superhero origin story for the book. Oh, thank you. Well, look, I don't want to ever be that type of person where it's do as I say, not as I do. I really want to walk the talk. And I started writing this book four years ago, and it was in decent shape even a couple years ago. But we kept getting smarter with best practices. Things were changing pretty rapidly still. So my goal for this book is to really be the employee manual that you never got and to lay the foundation for you know decades to come for how teams and organizations can be productive. And I really wanted to kind of 
really perfect a framework or almost like a law. Like I, I feel like what we ended up getting to is something that's indisputable and it's going to hold the test of time and regardless of what happens with technologies. I think that we really cracked the code for how to think about teams being productive. Now, I started writing the book four years ago because for as you alluded to, firsthand, I know what it's like to drown in work. My company, now we do operational efficiency training and consulting, but we didn't start doing that. We started off doing tasks and projects. We were a freelancer marketplace and we grew very quickly. And even as a freelancer marketplace, we were still always in the business. I was always passionate about giving people back time. I feel like time is the most valuable asset that we have. And it's not just about saving time. It's about optimizing time. You know, at the beginning, we were delivering that via freelancer marketplace and we were doing tasks and projects for people. And we grew really quickly. In the first year, we grew to about 150 people on the team, seven figures in revenue. And, you know, that, that impresses some people. What people don't realize is under the hood, there was a lot of problems and we didn't have the foundation or the, the operational efficiency foundation to support the kind of rapid growth that we had experienced. Behind the scenes, we were three quarters of a million dollars in debt, losing half a million dollars a year. And our org chart was just me and my now ex-business partner. But the two of us, he was the head of people. I was the head of non-people. And that's how we split up the company. So one day we're having coffee and we're working together and he taps me on the shoulder and he says, he's out, not in two weeks, not in two days. He's out in two minutes. And at that point, we had all these issues under the hood. We had superficial external looking success with a lot of problems under the hood. So when he taps me on the shoulder, I go white and I'm thinking to myself, my God, like this is not going to work. Like literally when I tell you no one knew who I was, like five out of 150 people on the team knew who I was and maybe two clients. So within three months, all hell breaks loose and we lose 40% of revenue in a three month period. Before I know it, I'm cashing out a 401k. My dad's taking a second mortgage on his house to loan us money for payroll. Bank accounts are getting frozen. I mean, it was pretty bad. And I had to decide, do I want to bankrupt the company, which most people thought I should, or do I stick it out and try to turn this around? And two things kind of went through my head. One, I didn't want to screw people out of all the credits that they had pre-purchased. You know, We had three quarters of a million dollars in services that we owed, and I knew a lot of these people. And two, I, I was confident that I would be able to turn it around and I could see where we were tripping up. A lot of it had to do with how we operated. And I started realizing, you know, there was a tremendous amount of time being wasted, how we communicate. Hard to get anything done. I'm sure that you listening right now can relate to this, but it was like literally just nonstop text, email, Slack messages all over the place. And it was hard to just even know where to look because it was just all over the place. So I, I was like, okay, we need to clean up communications. Everything slows down if you can't communicate well. Then I started realizing it wasn't easy to just know what people were doing. Like, what's Andrew working on this week? What did I ask Aiden to do that's past due? What's the status of this project? What should I do today or this week? And those are things that seem obviously important to any business of any size, including ours. Yet the answers were not obvious how to get. So I was like, okay, we got we to fix that. I call that how we do our planning. And then lastly, what I call resources is documenting all of our knowledge. How do we do this? How do we do that? How, how do we onboard a new team member? How do we do payroll? What's our core values? You know, all the intellectual property. And we actually had done a decent job at, at that part, the resources. So 
slowly but surely, I started kind of without realizing it, developing kind of this framework for how to operate better, communicate, plan, and resource. So CPR is the framework that I developed. And it really started to quickly turn things around. And simultaneously, people started reaching out, asking me to help them with their businesses because word got out and just through kind of introductions, people like Tony Robbins or Poopery or Ethereum or large companies, small companies. And I would go in and kind of just show them some stuff and some best practices that I was developing. And it made tremendous impact to them. And this is like just years ago, like kind of early days of just kind of figuring out this framework. And we did it enough times where I, I had this light bulb moment where I was like, okay, I think the bigger opportunity isn't this freelancer marketplace. I think it's actually training teams and organizations on how to be more efficient on a team or business level versus you know just individual productivity where there's a lot of kind of material already out there in that space. There's not that much about how an entire team can be productive. And I just started seeing the impact and it didn't matter the size of the business or the industry. It was on average saving a full business day a week, at least per employee in these companies. So there's not that many investments of time, energy, attention, resources that you can make that's going to yield that big of a return. It was just tremendous. And this is pretty niche stuff. And there's not, to my knowledge, other people doing training and consulting or content in this space. So we did a pivot and that's what we do now. And I ended up writing a book. It's called Come Up for Air, How Your Teams Can Leverage Systems and Tools to Stop Drowning in Work because everyone's drowning in work. And I wanted to write a book about all the research that we've done and the framework because I wanted to get... Ultimately, I want to make a big impact to the world and save millions and millions of hours of just wasted time, people going on the scavenger hunt, looking for information, soul-sucking, time-sucking activities that they shouldn't have to do if things were just a little bit better organized and people follow that CPR framework. I really love the fact that it's not just an individualized book or approach, that it's all about this team-based and cumulative-based and organization-wide-based, like you said, the CPR, the communication, the planning, and the resource. And I just think that there's so much focus on individualized productivity, you know, be a good worker, do, you know, if you do, you know, get, you do you and you do you well, tweak all your, you know, optimize you, and then that's going to bleed over. No, that I've been in too many scenarios where I've worked on me and that's not carried over to the team or I've suggested things. I think this is a great kind of um, breakthrough manual for teams to be able to approach that. It's kind of like with, you know, you can be the best driver you can be and de- drive defensively, but you've got to worry about everybody else on the road, right? Well, this is getting everybody on the same page in your organization and saying, no, we're going to do this across the board and it's going to work better. Don't get me wrong. It's good for everyone to know the basics of, you know, just strategies to be as an individual productive, you know, and there's a lot of books and podcasts and, and literature out on this topic. You know, you have batching and time boxing and, you know, morning routines. And there's a lot of people talking about these types of things. And it's it's good stuff. Don't, so don't get me wrong. But individual productivity is necessary, but not sufficient for a team to be productive. It requires collaboration, coordination. Sometimes as an individual, you have to sacrifice your own productivity for the greater good of the team. And it's just a much more complex problem to solve, which is what intellectually stimulates me so much to be in this space. An example I like to use is actually from sports. If you remember back to 2004, 
the U.S. men's Olympic basketball team had a bunch of superstars on it that you would argue were productive basketball players. You had LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Tim Duncan. Larry Brown was the coach, the only coach to win an NCAA and an NBA championship. But they start training just like a month before together as a team. They were all in good shape individually, but they didn't know how to work together as a team. They started like a month before. And what ends up happening, you get you throw all these individual high output, high productive people together on a team that doesn't know how to work well together. And they get blown out in game one by Puerto Rico and they end up with a bronze medal in the Olympics. It was like the biggest disappointment in U.S. men's Olympic basketball history. And it really just goes to highlight that it's not enough. Of course, you want to have individually productive, high output people, but that's not enough to win the game. No, definitely not. And I think one of the other key pieces that I find really interesting when it comes to the book is you're talking about efficiency. And I think a lot of times that word, at least recently, has gotten kind of a bad rap when it comes to productivity. People are talking about, no, it's less about efficiency. It's more about effectiveness. And I'm like, yeah, but let's not throw out the baby with the bathwater. Efficiency, well, and I and I want to get your opinion slash definition of efficiency. For me, efficiency is doing, you know, kind of the work smarter, not harder. It's cutting out the fat. It's, but that none of that really encapsulates the the true meaning of it. I think it's, it's why spend, you know, five minutes on something when it only can take, it could take one. If you retool the workflow, it's it's one of those things where like, I've said this in the past to people, you know, every tradition is something that started as something new at some point, you know, don't get so precious about it. So I'm curious, like, what's what's your definition of efficiency, like the term efficiency? Yeah, I guess it's a, you know the shortest path to achieve a result. You know, sometimes it's good to compare it to the word effectiveness because people get those mixed up. So for me, effectiveness is doing the right things and efficiency is doing things right. And so when I say doing things right, it's achieving the result with you know the least friction and the waste wasted time. Like the minimum effective dose. In other words, I take you know, five Advil, if one or two is going to be enough, it's just wasteful. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So somebody here is listening and they're on a team and they feel like they are drowning in work, but they may not actually have kind of a consensus or a, a, an empathy or a, a connection with the rest of their team members, but they have a feeling everybody else is drowning as well. How do we get to the point where, as a team, like say somebody's a leader of a team or a member of a team, how can they start to identify where they are or how uh, how far out of alignment that their team is and their organization is? Well, it's kind of like you just know that it's out of alignment. If you think about what percentage of time you spend a week in either your unique ability, meaning like you're a designer And like, that's like your trade, your skill set. That's what you're uniquely best at. What percentage of time in the week are you doing the design? Or say you're a writer and that's what your unique ability is, your talent. What percent of the week are you doing on that activity or things that give you joy? It's a little subjective, but just survey your team and and see. But it's quite astounding. It it ends up being, in our research, about only 50% of people's time are on activities that either give them joy or tap into kind of their superpower. And what, and then that leaves you the question, well, what's going on with the rest of it? And it's, you know, going on a scavenger hunt, looking for a document that was disorganized, 
scheduling back and forth because, you know, it takes all these hops. It's dealing with like email inefficiently. It's being in meetings that don't have a purpose or an agenda or an outcome. And so, you know, just survey your team and ask them like, what percentage of time are you spending on really high level work that taps into your superpower or things that give you joy? And maybe you even want to do that once a quarter and see if things start to improve after you start, you know, trying to fix things. I love my dogs like I love my children. I care about them. Well, one more than the other, but we won't get into that. But I am committed to giving them both the best. And if you feel that way too, like your dog is a member of the family, then you've got to serve them top quality food that they deserve. Serve them Nom Nom. Nom Nom's made with 100% premium ingredients. That means zero fillers or funky stuff. My dogs love these great tasting meals. And their nutritional needs are different than ours. That's why Nom Nom's nutrient-packed recipes are developed by board-certified veterinary nutritionists. Freshly made and shipped free to your door. Right now, you can get a 50% no-risk two-week trial at trinom.com slash beyond. Say goodbye to boring dog food. Your dog deserves a reason to run to their bowl every single meal, every single day. And all dogs are individuals, so they deserve to be served like it. Nom Nom delivers freshly made dog food personalized to your dog's preferences and unique caloric needs. And again, 100% premium ingredients, no funky stuff. Go right now for 50% off your no-risk two-week trial at trynom.com slash beyond. That's trynom.com slash beyond for 50% off. Trynom.com slash beyond. When it comes to hiring, don't search for great talent. Match with them, thanks to Indeed. With Indeed, you can ditch that busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Indeed leverages over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, making their matching engine your go-to because it's constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use it, the better it gets. I used to be involved giving my input into the hiring process for a few key roles that were connected to mine. And man, do I wish we had Indeed back then because we could have gotten much higher quality hires using Indeed. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more more visibility on indeed.com at indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's something that works so well, it basically feels like magic. For me, I'm thinking air conditioning, noise canceling headphones, definitely. Meeting free Fridays. What about selling with Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your own shop stage to the first real store stage, you don't have to just sell your own stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from brands you love and give your customers more variety and your business more sales. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Shopify also helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting 
checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash beyond. Again, go to shopify.com slash beyond now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash beyond. You've got it broken down into the CPR framework, starting with the C and communication. I think it all starts there because there's so much inefficiency in terms of internal, let alone external communication. I'm going to stick with internal for a second. And just you were almost talking about it earlier. And I wanted to I put a pin in it mentally that I think we've all been in workplace scenarios where you get a phone call, you get a text, you get a, a Facebook message, you get a um, an email, you get a voicemail or a Slack message, and you've got all these different tools, but there's no hierarchy of, you know, like I may have my assumption that like Slack notifications are turned off at a certain time of the day. And I have now, you know, even though work hours bleed into other hours, et cetera, we've got all this flexible time. Maybe if I put a boundary up on Slack and I say, okay, notifications are off at five or six, I'm not going to see anything. But if I get a text past that point, oh, this must be an an emergency. I must really be needed. And then to come to find out it's not necessary. We've all been in that kind of, you know, varying stages of that in the past. What are some of the ways that we can start to get that internal communication, one, wrangled into manageability, but two, get rid of all that inefficiency? that is happening there where we're going back and forth and we, we don't know where things are, what channel to prefer and so on. Well, the biggest issue is there's no strategy in terms of where you should go to find what type of information or what type of communication. So what I talk about in the book, and this is a really simple thing that doesn't require any tech genius, but keep text for personal, keep, um, email for external communication and keep something like Slack or Microsoft Teams for internal. Even if you don't use those tools to their highest and best use, like for example, one of the best things you could do is learn how to use email properly because every company on the face of the planet uses either Gmail or Outlook. So knowing how to get to inbox zero could easily save three to five hours a week. But it starts with even knowing when should you use email versus text versus Teams or, or Slack. Because one of the biggest issues I see is the, what I call the scavenger hunt. And that's where, you know, uh, you have no idea. Okay, I remember Andrew told me something. Was that in a text? Was that in a group chat? Was that in a Slack message? Was that in a channel? Was that in an email? And you start having to look in a million different places. So if you can just even give people that framework, so they're like, okay, Andrew's internal. We do internal communication in Slack at least you're starting to like make it a little bit easier to know where to look. Obviously you want to know how to use Slack properly, but also aside from just the time savings of knowing where to look, you also allow people to be able to shut off, you know, like text is for personal. Of course, if the house, you know, the building's burning down, do whatever it takes. But for the most part, I try to respect my team's boundaries and I'm not texting them. I'm putting it into Slack. And if it's not urgent, I'm not even putting it into Slack. I'm putting it into an agenda for a meeting we have next week. So we can, you know, back to productivity principles, we can batch go through it. Because of course, putting in Slack is better than email or text. 
but you can go even better. If it's not urgent and can wait till next week, why do I even want to distract them with another ping or ding for something that can wait till next week? Maybe it, it just works itself out and just falls off. But batching is a key productivity principle, both for uh, individual productivity and team productivity. So agendas are a really wildly underutilized strategy that really should help to minimize intraday communication and allow people to really maximize that percentage of time they're spending on their superpower. I think a lot of people are getting their eyes opened right now by you talking about the agenda because that just makes natural sense to park something where it needs to go. No communications necessary if somebody's being proactive and looking at agenda ahead of time because they are preparing for that. They're doing it on their own time. They're not doing it on your time as you ping them and say, hey, I added that to the agenda or, hey, just let you know, we're going to talk about that in that meeting, et cetera. So speaking of meetings, we want to get to there at some point. You know, some, some people in the productivity space worth mentioning here, you know, David Allen has a great quote, which is your, mind, your brain is for having ideas, not holding ideas. So you need to give people systems and strategy to dump what's on their head. And if, if you haven't adopted um, using agendas, they don't have necessarily another place to put it other than a Slack or a text or whatever, because they want to get it out of their head. The problem is, you know, now you're distracting other people. So an agenda is really powerful. Cal Newport wrote a book called Deep Work. And in that book, he talks about how if you're in a flow state and you get taken out of a flow state, it's like 15 minutes to get back in. So if you're constantly getting pinged and dinged in these tools, it's really hard to really get in that rhythm of doing some really deep, meaningful work. And so there's lots of benefits to kind of adopting. I hope at this point we've kind of made the case like why you want to adopt these systems and why it's going to not just be better for yourself, but for the whole team. Definitely. Well, and, and once you kind of get that into kind of a consensus of this is how we do it as a team, this is how we do it as an organization, that friction starts to fall away and you find that by being more efficient with your communication, you then are able to block out and do deep work time without interruption and get more done and not just get more done, but get more done faster. However, what about external communication where they don't play by the same rules as you do internally? That's fine. I mean, there also needs to be some type of like self-control that you need to. So I advise everyone turn off all notifications. You know, if you're using Outlook and you're getting a notification every email, it's gonna be hard to get into flow state and do meaningful work. Same with Slack. I recommend turning off those notifications. It's on. Turn them all off and try as much as possible to set times during the day to just check those. Or, you know, if you're in between things and you have a few minutes, go in and check it. But you can't stop people from emailing you, but you can control your own notifications and when you look at those things. And you can upskill yourself to know how to deal with email. We have a framework we talk about in the book. And one of the most impactful things that we do at Leverage is train people and stuff as simple as how to use email properly. It sounds so simple, but no one is using email properly. No one actually ever gets to inbox zero. And we have a very simple three-step framework called RAD, reply, archive, defer. Those are the three things to do with any email. And you don't need to have a million folders. 
there's just a few settings, a few mindset things, you know, snoozing, people aren't adopting where you can have an email disappear and reappear later. So you just need to know how to deal with email and you need to, you know, have the right settings and willpower to not just be checking it. And if you're a team leader or an executive listening, you need to change the culture where you don't expect people to respond to you in five minutes, because if that's the expectation, it's going to be really hard to get high quality work out of your team. So of course, if everything's urgent, nothing is urgent. So, you know, for the most part, things don't need to be responded to in five minutes. They can wait. Yeah. That's one of the things where you've got that expectation, that misguided expectation of almost treating email as Slack messages where you want an instant reply or within the five to 10 minute reply. But to require that means they've got to be sitting there with the inbox open or have those notifications on, which you are suggesting we should turn off. And I totally agree by having that trained kind of instant reaction jump at any moment because I may walk by your cubicle digitally kind of mentality. No one can get into any kind of focused work mode whatsoever. Exactly. And obviously that this carries over to external, you know, it's that expectation, but are there any kind of, you know, there's one thing where it's like, okay, we're internal face communication and this is how we'd make that happen. It's another, and and it's going to vary by role, obviously, because some people, you know, work directly with customers, others don't, but maybe they receive pitches or, you know, collaboration you know, proposals, things like that. Do you have any kind of tweaks to take it beyond just the internal to the external? I would start with internal, to be honest. You have much more control over what you tell your team to do than you than you do um, have control over the external. But honestly, take control of your team and learn how to use email. And that's going to get you probably, you know, 90% of the way there. Once that's all cleaned up and there's still some, some some loose ends with the clients you shoot me an email and we'll talk about it those will be much more easy to identify if <laughs> all of that other just sludge of time suck is is cleared out depending on the type of business like there's a whole bunch of different scenarios for example if people like need to create support tickets rather than writing emails in there's things like zendesk or hubspot like where people could you know submit a a ticket request you could utilize things like forms where you could have like a public facing form and you could have people fill out the form so you could structure the data of what you want to get versus having kind of unstructured free form emails that can't then auto be routed to people. So there's a whole bunch of nuance when you start talking external, but everyone's got plenty of work to do on the internal that you have full control over. So, you know, start there. Yeah. And there's no like one size fits all. It's all, you know, again, based on what you said, it's based on business, based on what type of business, based on, you know, expectations, et cetera. I I think one of the other things, though, that um, it bleeds over into one email. There's this popular, you know, phrase, man, this this meeting could have been an email. Well, if we're doing email well, maybe that's possible. And you alluded to a little earlier when we talked about, you know, creating an agenda and parking things on an agenda. How do email and agenda planning carry over into having maybe fewer meetings or shorter meetings, but especially more efficient meetings? Oh, I don't know about email, but like agendas definitely it forces you to stay on track and not, you know, show up. And it's like, hey, what do we need to accomplish? 
Um, every meeting has a huge cost. Like I think it was over $30 billion. I read an article. There was like over $30 billion last year in the U S alone wasted in inefficient meetings. And so when you think about, you know, what are meetings costing every person, even if they're full time, there's some implied hourly rate, their time you're paying for their time. Right. And if you don't know it, if you don't know their hourly rate, just divide like by roughly 2000, that's how many hours each person on average works a year. So a hundred thousand dollars a year person is $50 an hour. So you have three of them on a call for an hour. That's $150 call. It's pretty straightforward. Right. So the things that you could be doing to reduce that cost is reduce the number of people on the call, reduce the frequency. Sometimes you have weekly meetings. It could be biweekly or monthly. Sometimes you don't even need the meeting at all. It could be done all asynchronously. But, you know, the, the last thing you could do is reduce the length of the meeting and you could use tools like Loom and you could have people pre-recording messages, sending it to you. Because anytime on a meeting, someone's just talking at you and you're just sitting there and you're not saying anything and like someone's just sharing their screen to share the podcast numbers for last month, that doesn't need to be eating live, very valuable time. That part of the meeting could have been pre-recorded. The length of that meeting could have been shortened. And then that could have been a pre-watch or a pre-read, you know, a few days beforehand that you could do when you're in the back of an Uber and you don't have your laptop and you're doing nothing of very big importance anyway. And now you've just freed up really valuable calendar time. And so that's another big aspect to this. It's not just saving time, it's optimizing time. So that time in the back of an Uber, maybe that's not $50 an hour time. Maybe that's $5 an hour time because you're tired. It's seven o'clock. You've had, you know, 10 Zooms that day. You don't have your laptop. You know, that, that's not as valuable. Maybe 9 a.m. on a Monday when you're by your computer, you're hooked up to Ethernet, you've got fast Wi-Fi, you've got multiple monitors, you've had a relaxing weekend, your brain's at full horsepower, maybe that's worth $250 an hour that time slot to you. So if you could free up, you know, 30 minutes at that 250 time slot and just time shift it and have people watching things in the back on their own time, maybe, you know, go for a walk around the block and listen to, you know, that asynchronous thing. You know, that's where you really start also seeing this, uh, this other kind of exponential lift to uh, team productivity, where it's not necessarily what I would call time savings, but time optimization. And this concept that time isn't linear, not every minute, not every second, not every hour is worth the same. Yeah, definitely not. And one of the things that I'll do is I've had a system that I've used at uh, a role that I've been in where it's called, I think it's fireflies.ai, not a sponsor, but it, we use it and it uh, joins the meeting. It records any video or screen share. It records the audio and it transcribes the audio. And so you could read back through it afterwards. It even kind of does, you know, because of AI, on how prevalent that is these days. Uh, it summarizes the meeting and gives a bullet list there. But one of the cool things is that you can, one, you've got it for archival purposes, which is great. But two, you can send that link to people who didn't attend the meeting or didn't need to, but maybe need to jump in later and like type their name in. Like you mentioned their name in that meeting and then they can just like, I will literally, my, my boss will say, Hey, I know you weren't in that meeting, but I mentioned this thing, jump in there and type your name and it'll bring up 
that one thing where we talked about you and what you were working on and that one thing. So you can jump in and you don't even have to, you can, you, in other words, you can drill down into a specific part of a meeting that's pertinent to you. Don't have to worry about the rest of it. Or you can even say, Hey, I am going to, instead of joining that meeting today, I am going to keep working on something specific, deep work. I've got it blocked out. I'm going to work on that. I'll review it later, but you can speed it up. Go to 1.25 speed or 1.5 speed because we can comprehend and listen so much faster than we typically do. Like some people speed up podcasts. Some people, you know, YouTube has got, got these shifts as well. And, you know, it, it's not like we're watching a movie at that speed where we're missing out on the artistic intention. It's a meeting. It's a conversation. So it, it, we're there for the information, not the collaboration per se. That's maybe past. That's the, that's retroactive, in other words. Yeah, 100%. So I, I, that's just one way that, you know, kind of breaking people's brains of like, hey, there are ways around this to time shift, to do there are ways that we've not even probably thought of yet to better improve the way we work and communicate and meet asynchronously. And that's one of the ones that's currently kind of, you know, I'm still di- still diving and digging into that tool and figuring out how to best use it for myself, let alone how we use it best as a team. So speaking of meetings here, are, what are some other ways in terms of like, you know, prepping for them, time during, even post that uh, kind of work in the same ways that like the rad system does with email. Well, you want to have an agenda. You want to be, like I said before, thinking about, you know, does this need to be live? Is it, does it require live collaboration or could we use a tool like loom? Um, you want to document decisions and you know, that are part of CPR's resources. So you want to have a digital knowledge base, a company wiki where it's easy to find kind of the official, stuff, right? And it doesn't replace Google Drive or Dropbox. You'll just link to things, but you want like a well-organized employee handbook. So, you know, something you might want to think about too is like key decisions that are made. You want to log that somewhere so it doesn't get lost or forgotten. In a meeting, there's oftentimes action items. You know, it's like, hey, Nick, do this by next week. You need to put that into that P of CPR planning. Like we use Asana, so we will put all of our action items there. So you want to really make sure that to have an effective meeting, you're logging decisions, you're capturing action items, you know, and then, you know, there's books like Traction where you, uh, they have like what they call level 10 meetings and they suggest some types of frameworks where you start off with kind of some icebreakers or how was your weekend? And then you go to wins and, you know, wins and challenges. And then you, you go into the meat of it and you conclude by rating the meeting, you know, and if you're new to this, you could start asking people could rate the meeting, you know, one to five. How did you think this meeting was? And, you know, stick it in the zoom chat or wherever you go. And if they give you, you know, a three or below ask why and start getting a feedback loop so that you can start running meetings a little bit better. One of the things that I want to call out in terms of the the resources that are in the book, and I think, that, I mean, there's there's so much in the book in terms of getting people aligned, getting people's perspectives aligned, especially, and the workflows and the systems in place. But there's so many different resources in the book that I think is really where if you know if people start to drill down and actually do the homework, like, um, for example, I'm thinking of. Well, we, we, you actually talked about it earlier, kind of the, the cost of meetings and that you've got a calculator in there that will probably shock some people as to how, how costly or how, how much they're spending on meetings. 
feel free to throw out some of the other ones. I know there's you've got obviously the the inbox zero, the videos and trainings in there, a bunch of different calculators and do's and don'ts. <laughs> you know, the the book took four years. HarperCollins was our publisher, and it's 320 pages, as you saw, because you've seen you've read the book. You know, it's not fluffy. It's not one of these books where it's like one concept. And then we throw a hundred stories around one concept and it could have been two pages and said it's, you know, 320. HarperCollins didn't want me going any longer than 320. And, you know, being an efficiency geek, you know, that it probably would have been 1400 pages had I not been an efficiency geek. So what we did to supplement a lot of the material and you're, you know, speaking about quizzes and additional, you know, we stuck it up on a website at comeupforair.com. And often, you know, throughout the book, we're like, you know, if you want to go deeper, if you want to see this calculator, if you want further training, you know, we built a bunch of free resources. Just go to comeupfair.com. So I'd encourage everyone listening, not just to get the book, but also go to that website and check out these calculators and, and resources that we put up on there. Honestly, I think this is kind of a game changing book. I would honestly almost not even call it a book. I would call it the modern manual for teams and I mean, again, I'm I'm trying to brainstorm and workshop a a, a new yeah. subtitle out of the air. But for me, it's it's less of a book and it's more of a manual of how to get everybody on the same page and get everybody leveled up together. Uh, it's great to hear you say that. When I was pitching Harper Collins on this, I said, "I want this to be the employee manual, <laughs> keyword manual that that you never got." And I want in ten years, twenty years, thirty years, I still want this to be the reference guide that is like required reading for every employee that gets hired just so that everyone's speaking the same language and everyone's on the same page with how they work. Yeah. I I want this to be required. And like almost if you don't read it, you're at a disadvantage to your competitors that are reading it. Well, I think that's definitely true. Unfortunately, we did a, in early January, like first, second week, we did like top productivity books for 2023. And I hadn't yet gone through this this would have been in the mix for sure. Like this is like definitely top, you know, five, 10 recommendations for, especially because it fits a certain niche so well. Like, again, there's so much out there in terms of, you know, this book's for you for this productivity problem. And then, but they're all individually based. This is one of the few that are out there that really deals with getting productive as a team, as a group, as an organization. Maybe you need to revise your list. (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I can definitely do that because I've got it all listed out on uh, on a list on my Amazon so people can quickly access it. So actually, I think I already placed it in there afterwards. So it's it's definitely in there. It's just not part of the, the episode, but you get your own dedicated episode right here. So uh, Nick, this has been great. I mean, I really think that this is a game changer for a lot of people. And, and I will definitely be recommending this book to everybody as far as getting efficient and getting that relief to that pain point of just drowning in work team wise. So again, you, you said come up for air.com people can find, you know, all the different things that are out there, find out more about the book. Thank you so much for being here and thanks for sharing. Thanks for having me. Well, that's another podcast crossed off your listening to do list. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation with Nick Sonnenberg as much as I did. This book is definitely something that, again, if you're in charge of a team or if you're part of a team, it's definitely something to pick up. Identifying what is holding your team back in terms of efficiency and communication and workflow and systems and tools 
it can be a game changer when you get at least even just one person to move a little bit better or faster or communicate clearer. And imagine the compounding effect of having multiple people or your whole team aligning better with these systems and tools and best practices. So if you're part of a team and you know you need to get your whole team on board, why don't you forward this conversation to your team, the head of your team or other members of the team so they can soak in this information and have a dialogue about it. See how that helps your team. Hit that share button in your podcast player app of choice or share this on social. You can also do it from the show notes over at beyondthetodolist.com. And again, thank you so much for doing me that favor and your team that favor of sharing this with them. Thanks again for listening, and I will see you next episode.